0: Don't regret too early, because dots connect in hindsight.
1: Currently we live in the time where you can actually mix and match different professions.
0: Listen to the elderly slash experienced peoples.
1: How you actually ended up being pricing and a researcher advisor? I mean, from graduating from school, what kind of path did you follow to come where you are right now? Hey guys, it's Saiga here and you are listening to Which Profession? a podcast in which I'm interviewing people who will tell you about their profession, what they do at their jobs, and a lot more. In this episode, I'm interviewing Markus Hosman-Kopetsky, who is a pricing researcher and a pricing advisor. Markus is a multifaceted person who combines in himself three different professions, consultant, researcher, and a teacher. In this episode, Markus will tell you about his profession, more about what he does in the daily work life, how he ended up founding his own business, as well as how he managed to combine work and studies. He also gave very valuable advice on career and growth. That was a short summary of what is waiting for you. I hope you really enjoy listening to this episode and learn something new. Hi, Marcos. Huge thanks for taking your time and agreeing to be a guest of this episode and of the podcast. I am very honored to interview you because I know you're such an interesting person and have so much to share. And therefore, I am really excited about our upcoming interview. So I would say that just before I start shooting my questions, can you please briefly tell about yourself and introduce yourself?
0: First, I got thank you very much for inviting me to your your podcast. My name is Markus Husemann-Kopetsky and I'm a pricing researcher and pricing advisor and could turn my passion into a real profession. Um, yeah, I think everything else I will reveal during the interview.
1: Definitely. So you already mentioned what's your profession. You're a pricing researcher and a pricing advisor. Sounds cool, but what can you describe what it actually means?
0: Yes. <laughs> I do my very best to describe what it actually means. So I would divide my profession into three buckets. Scheme is about pricing and how to do pricing in a better way. And the three buckets, it consists of uh, research, consulting and teaching. So on the research part, I partner with academic friends to better understand how customers or consumers perceive prices, how they react up in this, what is the optimal price, Uh, and so on. So I have a huge um, network of professors and assistant professors at various universities, and we do a lot of research projects in this space. So that's the research part. And the consulting part is, okay, we know a lot about pricing and how pricing works, how people perceive pricing. What does it actually mean for companies? And in this space, I advise companies how to do pricing in a better way, whatever this means. So that's a huge variety of projects going on. And the last part is about a teaching. So I teach at university level. So have, uh, I'm responsible for a master a student course on price management, and I also teach small, medium and larger companies about pricing, so executive and management training in this space. So these are the three buckets, and um, yeah, I truly enjoy it
1: that sounds very interesting i would say that i'm personally really interested in behavioral economics and when you when you said like you you cooperate with researchers in understanding how people behave how people react i truly understand your passion because to be honest in the daily life when we make decisions there's so much behind it that can be that cannot be explained by a pure economics how we used to perceive it but by uh, so many things like, okay, how I got up today, how I felt today, and, and everything, so many little things affecting my mood, how I react to certain things. And that's why you're, you're actually the whole profession of yours is so interesting, because it's not like a, oh, yeah, I look at the numbers, I see, I analyze, and then I go, no, you look beyond that.
0: Yeah, I can totally uh, echo what you're saying and totally relate to my research topics are on psychological pricing so behavioral pricing and we try to explain what standard economics cannot and there are so many so many effects out there and most of them are really are really funny actually and if you t- um, tell people about them many of these effects make people think about um, how do they affect themselves and sometimes they feel a bit a court like, oh, yes, that's how I do it.
1: For example,
0: I'm just thinking about whether I could quote my wife, but um, yeah, if you're buying <laughs> a, a pair of boots, for example, or you buy the same pair of boots at the same price, but the former price was 50 euros more, so you get a 50% discount. The so The feeling of receiving a discount actually adds to the overall let's call it transaction value and you buy a pair of shoes because it's discounted although you part of the same money and receive the same pair of shoes but getting a bargain makes you feeling as a smart as a smart shopper and this already yeah explains your buying decision not necessarily because you need these additional pair of shoes or boots but you made a bargain and that's already sufficient value that you are willing to part with money
1: yeah (laughs) Yeah, I think that you can also give so many other examples that you see in the shops, like, oh, buy two for the price of one, and then you are buying more stuff, uh, or like, even the color differences, one is white and one is blue, and blue is so much more expensive. And then uh, people would tend to like, even there's this little tiny differences can, can, can affect how people perceive things.
0: yeah um, definitely definitely
1: really interesting you already mentioned three big chunks of your job however i want to know how your daily life in the home office look like so i want to know in details like okay you you start your daily job and how do things go in the average i know it's it's not i would say the average is very tricky to describe but i would say if you try to describe your average today how would it look like
0: yeah so my Average day is actually not average um how I structure my work is by project, so I usually work on either of these buckets only at the same time so i'm not having a research consulting teaching day so. For example, until end of June this year I did all my consulting work this year, so I double down on consulting and consulting day is. The average consulting day consists of of alignment meetings, talking to your customers, figuring out what is the problem, talking about potential options to to the solution. And in between, you have phases of solitude where you think things through, do the analysis and um, work in one-on-one or group sessions to to, uh, find out solution. A consulting day is a very good mix of interaction and thinking analytics. So... When I do research, which pretty much starts this month, it's a bit different. It's also a research project, but it's about thinking about problems. What could explain it? How do we measure what we think should explain it? So we think about experiments, then we create experiments in different contexts, either with, uh, with students at the university or with, with panels, or we do it with uh, with companies in a, in a real field experiment when we change something on a real website and see what happens. and we analyze data and the most time-consuming part is about writing your research up and starting the review process. So that's also a good mix of solitude and interaction, but interaction is usually a one-on-one session with some fellow researcher thinking about how should we address this problem? How should we set up the experiments? And then writing it up is in, in solitude. So you find a quite decent place, have your coffee, and then you start writing and typing. And if you I do teaching, it's, it's very interactive. Usually you start with the week when I do, do teaching with figuring out what do, does need to be taught. So we either I look up the curriculum at a university and see what are the learning outcomes or we define the learning outcomes of our the clients and then think about the best way how to do it. And this is a bit challenging in times of Corona because interaction means in the best case breakout rooms on, on Zoom, I definitely miss the interactive part in the same room and on the same whiteboard and doing stuff like this. And then... Yeah, that's the yeah. We start with the learning outcomes and uh, design a curriculum, and then engage in, in delivery. And yeah, that's usually a home office style. It's it's virtually, uh, virtually a virtual conference calls, and sometimes I have a whiteboard when I draw something. I have two cameras in this case, but yeah, it's a different, but still as interactive as possible. So these are the three kind of chunks. Uh, I call these projects, consulting projects, research projects, and uh, teaching projects. And that's the beauty of this profession, that you can focus on one by one, and you're not too much distracted and getting pulled out of your of your thoughts. And um, because you get another mail or you have another meeting, yeah, I can double down and get into something I would call a flow when I, when I do these projects.
1: You are one of the few examples, or like one of the first times that I realized that currently we live in the time where you can actually mix and match different different professions how you do right you mix actually three different professions that people could do separately but you also balance them you kind of find a you find a connection between them to bring all of them into a different level because you see from different perspectives and that's I feel could be the future of any professions you are not only a consultant but you could also be a teacher consultant or a researcher consultant teacher how you are and that's uh, you are a great example of it and that's something to consider to be honest for any of us
0: thank you so much that perfectly describes what I'm striving for in the in the past These were actually three different professions because either I could not use the company data for research or I wasn't allowed to teach or or I wasn't allowed to teach other companies, for example. And now I found the sweet spot where I can integrate all three passions and it doesn't feel like four different professions, but they are kind of symbiosis or effects that benefits each other. So synergy effects that you can create. So I can do research with the same company that I do consulting with I can use research data to integrate to in my teaching. So both are mutually benefiting from each other. And that's that's the beauty. And this only works if... Um, so having three professions at, at once works only if you can find these synergy effects. Otherwise, if you have three completely different professions that you like, it becomes really stressful on your daily and a daily schedule if you do three profession, professions that are completely independent from each other at the same time.
1: Yeah, but how you are doing it, like you are chunking them, uh, you, you focus at one point on research, at one point on consulting, at one point on teaching, and then you, you, you spare thoughts. Okay, this time I do research, I really focus on your research, doing your experiments, writing up the paper, then you do the consulting for the companies, thinking about, okay, what's their problem, how can I solve them, and you focus on teaching separately. Okay, what do students really need, how I can design for them the course that they will be really interested in, and you actually teach how, how you actually explained. that's really interesting but I feel like you can also get so many ideas from teaching to your research and from your research to your consulting that you can bring over and I would say you already mentioned that you made out of your profession out of your passionate profession I would like to know what are the exciting things about your job you when you talk about your job I feel your excitement but what are the like I would say highlighted excitements that you that make you work make you get up every day and then do your profession yeah
0: i'm i'm a person who really likes likes knowledge and in in my case so i'm not creating something with my hands but creating something with knowledge that's so rewarding so i create new knowledge with, with the research part i apply knowledge and to actually to see how the ivory tower academic research can actually inform a consulting project and deliver real value to businesses and to disseminate this knowledge to, to the next generation. It's so rewarding that you find something out that somebody actually needs and somebody else appreciates to know. That's so, that's so rewarding. If you focus on each of these individually, um, it wouldn't be ex- as exciting. But as I'm part of this whole, I don't know where these words exist, kind of knowledge chain, creating and applying and sharing, that's super, super exciting. All on the same topic. So yeah, that's so rewarding that you can do everything. But with a focus, with a special focus, in my case, it's it's pricing. That's really, that's really rewarding.
1: All right. That is about what what excites you. However, are there any difficulties that you fate or face or challenges where like, oh no, I have to do it. Or like, you know, the, not the good parts
0: yes the most problematic case not sure whether it's defined by the professional by my personal uh, personality it's that i see too many projects and i face too little time <laughs> so what i mean is i see so many research ideas so many business opportunities out there and i need to prioritize and to stay focused otherwise i'm chasing another blinking object and that's and it doesn't get you anywhere so of course i can devote my time to a research project right now but it's only two months so if i want to finish something <laughs> i need to focus on this and focusing means i don't do anything on all the other things and this is i think a problem many people might have but in my in my profession because you are looking at two different too many different uh, aspects you see too many different interesting projects that you could pursue. And that's the um, most challenging part, to say goodbye to a good idea, <laughs> to, um, yeah, to push through another one.
1: Any recommendations how to actually deal with that? Because that's a common problem among all of us, the pri- to prioritize among projects. What is your personal tip?
0: My, my personal trick here is, I literally, every day I write down my major goals and I see, and it primes you already in this day. And and when a new opportunity comes up, I ask myself whether it helps me to pursue any of these goals. And um, that's how I do it. And then then I feel peaceful again after I said no. So in last three months, two other companies came up with a business idea and asked me whether to, to participate in their joint venture. I said, oh, it's really interesting. Of course, you're raising, one company was raising 30 million in, in a C round and the company is valued, I don't know how many digits. I said, okay, that's cool, but I'm not doing it for the money per se. And I don't want to focus too much on a one project for one company. That's not part of my goal set. So I said, no, and uh, I was... 100% confident that this was the right decision. So, being clear about your goals and write them down on paper, not like in, in a digital form, but using a pen and bring it to paper, keeps you keeps you focused, and you don't need to overdo it. It's not like a two-hour session each morning, but um, just five to ten minutes.
1: That's a good advice. So, imagine your long-term goal, and then see, okay, if the if a certain project that pops up, does it fit to my long-term goal? If yes, if I have time, plus I can go for it. If no, safe but sorry. <laughs> cool. All right. So let's continue with our interview. Just to wrap it up, in the first part of our interview, we talked about your profession in general as a pricing researcher and a pricing advisor. Three big chunks of your profession, consultant, teacher, and a researcher. And we also talked about your Average in brackets, uh, daily routine, daily life, as well as the excitements and your struggles. And in the second part, I would actually like to know how you came to be where you are currently. So the first question, which will lead to a lengthy answer, so feel free to tell all the details in length. How you actually ended up being pricing and a researcher advisor? I mean, from graduating from school, what kind of path did you follow to come where you are right now?
0: yeah thank you for this excellent question thinking this through i i'm very sure there is no clear path to become a pricing researcher and pricing advisor it's a long winded route i would i would say and to become a a successful pricing researcher and advisor i think you need to bring together three different personalities inside uh, yourself and you need to develop and nurture them so you need to become you have your inner consultant with you, somebody who has strategic foresight and knows how to run projects, how to structure this, and how to manage projects. Then you need some, an inner researcher, like a little professor inside yourself who knows how to run academic projects, um, how to apply scientific methods, and an inner practitioner So who actually did pricing in the past. And, it took many, many years to develop all these three personalities inside myself. So, I studied business administration and economics in Germany and worked as a project manager for many years in, in consulting. So, more than seven years I did uh, management consulting, not necessarily related to pricing, but you learn the general skill sets of running projects, breaking down problems and challenges develop strategic foresight develop communication skills on the senior managers and yeah how to run projects and uh, learn how to to think strategically the second part is the research part so at one point um, pricing sparked me as a as a topic and i devoted my doctorate degree and my research projects in this space to behavioral pricing. And yeah, you do all these, uh, you do your dissertation, you do the research projects, you present your results at at conferences and doctoral colloquiums. And at the end, my research was published in the Journal of the Academy of Marketing Science. So you have the whole research experience inside yourself. And in terms of practice, I've worked for more than five years as a Senior Manager for Pricing and Business Analytics at a larger online retailer. So I did actually what I talk about and I experienced the problems and I found solutions and I can put myself credibly in the shoes of those um, that I'm consulting with right now. So I, um, I did pricing. So if you add up all these parts, at the end, I honed my skills for more than 12, 13, 14 years until I decided to do a full-time profession out of this. So it's long-winded, not clear-cut. And maybe that explains why that why there are not so many uh, researchers and consultants who do it at the same time.
1: Interesting. I have a couple of questions related to the story. First of all, why did you decide to go for the business administration and economics in the first place?
0: Yeah, the, the answer is I have an affinity for numbers and for business. And... That's the study program that fits both ideally. It's not too narrow, and uh, but broadly, but broad enough. So it would capture definitely or prepare me definitely for what I would like to do afterwards. Although I didn't know at the beginning 100% what I would like to do. I had a sense that I want to be in, in strategy consulting and this was a good preparation for this role. But... This was in my, when I was 20 or something and you actually don't know how many options do you have and that's the beauty of your podcast because you sprinkle in new sparks of inspiration from people you would not met otherwise and this broadens your little box of thinking. And uh, yeah, I thought my box was was small and I don't know what to do. So I need to study something that suits my uh, passion and is broad enough to develop skills that are applicable for a broad range of topics and roles.
1: So in your example, you already knew that somehow you were good at certain things like numbers and and critical thinking. Then you followed a degree that was wide enough. So you have lots of possibilities in the future. But how you knew, you said that you knew that you wanted to work somewhere strategic, uh, like strategy consultant or, or strategy. How did it come to be?
0: In my very first role, so I um, studied business administration and economics in addition to a full-time position. So, and at one point, um, I was a project lead on the um, the client side. I worked together with a major strategy consulting company and I knew, okay, this is what I need to do afterwards. Um, So I met somebody who was already there where I want to be. And I think that's a good advice for other people. If you... Find somebody who is there where you want to be. This helps you to decide whether you also want to be there or to give away this romantic thought completely. I met actually a strategy consultant and I thought, okay, this is a cool role. And honestly, I didn't think my whole life in advance. So I only think about the the next position then and this was in, in consulting and far away from pricing. So,
1: What was exciting about the role of the person you met worked in and strategy consulting what was that that sparked you to actually follow the same road or at least like to jump into that profession
0: i like the way to to do projects one by one so you can devote your full time to to particular problem to particular challenge and you are allowed to find creative ways how to solve it. So it's not like a routine job where you have a standard operating procedure where you do things like you do it. But uh, devoting your time and energy to a particular problem and solve it and then do something else afterwards with the same intensity is something that I felt most likely resonates with me. That's why I encourage every listener to your podcast to listen to all episodes until they find somebody that rings a bell with them and they <laughs> kind of, they strike the same chord, and you are on the same wipe.
1: Hey, thank and you. It happens <laughs> really in this
0: case with them. Otherwise, of course, say, I would never do consulting. It's too much work and you're traveling, you're away from home. That was uh, at this uh, point of time, at this uh, stage in my life, this was completely irrelevant. I just like this role, this job, what you are doing this lifestyle yeah
1: interesting trying different hats because i like what you said like you have one project you devote yourself fully without being like without dispersing your energy in different things happening and then you jump into the next one and it's completely different thing i think also the pace of learning is is very fast there all right and you said like, that's how your passion for strategy and consulting came to be. However, you said that after working in consulting for more, for about seven years, you decided to follow your PhD in pricing. How did that decision actually happen? Like, and second, why was it in pricing?
0: Yeah, I think that's also a common theme in my, my life that I do many things at, at once. Like now I'm doing research, consulting and teaching. And this is, I think, now, looking back at my life, I think that's a common theme. So I was working uh, in full-time and did my graduate degrees. Then I decided, okay, to, to be a better consultant, I maybe I need more international exposure. So after my project management role, I did my MBA at, in, in Hong Kong at uh, HKUST. And then I joined the, um, the consulting world. I stood there for seven years. And the last three years, I would say, of my consulting life, I'm embarked in a PhD program in addition to my full-time role as a consultant. And, um, and actually, it was, a, it was something I always wanted to do. I, so I knew uh, very early on that I wanted to do more, more academic exposure and pursue academic research projects. And the, um, after four years of consulting, I became more serious about this because at this point I thought, okay, uh, consulting is cool, but as you said, the learning curve is steep, but it uh, doesn't get steeper, it, at the end it flats out. I said, okay, what am I going to do afterwards? So a family appro- approaching, so the family wasn't approaching itself, but I knew, okay, if I want to be serious with my girlfriend then, and we embark into a family endeavor, consulting is not the right life. So I thought, okay, what uh, what should I do afterwards? And um, I could imagine doing more academia. So nevertheless, before you go into academia, uh, you need to have a passion or a spark of of passion that uh, enlightens your academic fire. And this spark happens in one of my research projects. So I was consulting with a large insurance company and we talked about how monthly or annual payments would affect consumer behavior. And the answer was, "Hmm, we never looked into this, but we believe it doesn't matter. And said, okay, I cannot imagine that it doesn't matter whether you pay monthly or annually. And somehow this question for most people, probably a boring question, but somehow it uh, struck a chord with me and um, it kept me thinking about this. And finally, I devoted my PhD, uh, my doctoral research to the question on different payment schemes for for consumers and in the context of insurance companies in this case. And uh, yeah, we found out very interesting uh, stuff. People who who pay monthly, have a much higher propensity to commit insurance fraud than others. And by the way, those who uh, do the money transfer also compared to those who do uh, direct debiting. So yeah, I devote my research to consumer misbehavior and how pricing could influence consumer misbehavior. So that's why uh, how I ended up with my research topic, a real business question sparked this this project. So. Okay, then I did my program, my doctoral degree, um, presented my research at various conferences. And I felt so like, it, it felt like coming home. So you meet so many other research fellows and you exchange ideas and you see what the others are researching about saying, okay, that's what I want to do afterwards. Yeah, I decided to, to move away from consulting and yeah, what, what's the next position? And the next position was either um, a professor at the University of Applied Sciences. And uh, and in the meantime, uh, a headhunter reached out whether I would like to join a large online retailer and do pricing in their team. And so I decided to join the online retailer and did pricing for five years there. And that was very interesting because the company's culture is very scientific, number-oriented, and that's where I learned the ropes of pricing practice and also could infuse the theoretical background into my daily work. Yeah, that's how I ended up with the online retailer. And after five years there, the learning curve was deep, but it flattens out. So I said, okay, I, at one point I figured out I could add more value outside this company um, than inside. And that's how I joined my, or founded my own company earlier this year. Yes, I think that's the whole biography that I never talked about <laughs> in this length, but, uh, yeah, that's- but...
1: That's amazing. But at the same time, when I look back to your story, it all seems to perfectly fit into, <laughs> into a perfect position, like into who you are now, right? Like, it just somehow it seems to make sense. Like all the things that you did, every step was like coming to this place where you are right now.
0: Yeah, that's uh, absolutely, absolutely right. But you only know... In hindsight, that it worked out. Of course, I had doubts along the way, and whether this is correct or that I was um, afraid that I won't get a position. Of course, I applied for many positions that I didn't get, and uh, I regretted a lot. But um, at the end, uh, yeah, it seems to work out.
1: <laughs> what What is your advice to people who are currently in, like, in the middle of the struggle? uh between like rediscovering yourself and trying out new things how to overcome this and how to understand okay it's time to to move and that everything will be fine
0: yeah it's an interesting question Right, i think you can approach it from two angles first to understand that you are in the right in the wrong position so you want to go somewhere else and second you see already the target destination and you want to go there so the first perspective is go away and second is go somewhere. And I think you need both. So you definitely need to know, okay, where do I want to end up? So just quitting your job and doing something else brings you in the same awkward position that you're right now. So so I I always knew that I uh, will um, create my own company at one point, but I still need to figure out what I going to do. So in the meantime, I created a blog about pricing. I wrote books about pricing and people reached out to me. So one of my readers reached out to me, Hey, Marcus, can you help me with an advertisement? It was actually my first project uh, on the site. I said, okay, that's really cool. Then another reached out to me and uh, a former colleague of mine uh, was hired away to a brick and mortar company. And I was responsible for the uh, online shop. Hey, Marcus, i read your blog. Pricing gets into the C-level silo where I'm working in and um, my C-level boss is responsible for pricing now. Can you help us with this project? Because I know that you know e-commerce pricing. Can you help us? And of course, okay, so I had already my first real project. And so it was this easy, easy move to create my own company because I already was booked out for next month. And then I felt, okay, even if this project wouldn't work out and it got actually delayed, this is still the right move, right? And I, I felt confident this is the right one. And so it worked out. But it wouldn't have done so if I hadn't published two years earlier a book, created a blog one and a half years earlier. Yeah. So you need to, to do some steps into the right direction that you feel might be the right direction. And then the world conspires uh, outside of yourself to make you uh, successful. Yeah, that uh, would be my advice. Thank go you. in the right direction uh, although you don't know whether the seventh step from now will lead you but you should go at least the first step into the right direction
1: great advice thank you so much when you were talking about your story i know you have a tremendous experience working in companies and big companies and strategy consulting companies and you definitely meet a lot of people who are just starting their career any advice for those who, who are just starting their
0: career I recommend focus on on learning. It doesn't matter what kind of project you get um, ownership on in your company. Devote 100% of your time to it to really understand this. You don't know when you might need this knowledge. And uh, find out about new opportunities within the company and create kind of internal network so that you uh, know what others are doing, not only because they might help you with a new position later on, but to think about other aspects of your business. So for example, if you're working in pricing, which is a very, very niche topic, you should also learn about how, how the, let's say in a, retail, in a retail environment, how the assortment team plans the assortment, what they want to sell, how the marketing team approaches marketing, how the finance team defines the financial performance and how do they measure things. And you might have people in your own, peer group like junior finance managers junior marketing managers and so on and you should close create close bonds with them and un- try to understand what they are doing and about whatever project you you are getting yeah devote all all you have to this project and do a really good job because this qualifies you for for more complex more important um, project and yeah that's my advice stay curious and learn about others and always give 100% because the worst thing you, it would happen if you have a project you don't know you're not 100% interesting interested in this but two years later I said okay if I had paid closer attention to this project I would have generated knowledge that might benefit me right now.
1: Thank you. I think the. The beauty of what I, I, what I do is that I can ask people like you with tons of experience, and you can give your years of advice in just a couple of sentences, and people who really need it, they can listen, and then they get actually a very valuable advice. Huge thanks. I think I could interview you for hours and hours. <laughs> but unfortunately you cannot that's the reality and i actually have the last question is if you could go back in time and and see your young self what kind of advice would you give him
0: yeah that's an excellent question i would give three pieces of advice and i think my 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 personal story reflects this so first keep your options open so don't study something that's too narrow don't take up a position that is so much into a niche where you develop technical skills that are only relevant in this particular role so keep your keep your options open that's the first advice i would give the second advice is listen to the elderly slash experienced people so don't Believe, although you're in your 20s and somebody age of 50, 55, 60 gives you some piece of advice, don't assume you are smarter than them because you have an Instagram account that didn't exist when they were young. So the world has changed too much and all the folks just don't understand the context and the world right now. That's bullshit. This um, mistake myself and I currently, in hindsight, I regret it a bit, but um, this would be my advice. Listen to them that are other than you don't assume you are you outsmart them, um, yeah. And the, and the last one is, don't regret too early. So, if you don't get this um, A League uh, company position and you end up with something you believe is inferior, don't regret too early. Because and this quote is I think borrowed from Steve Jobs, dots connect in hindsight. Uh, and in my case, of course, it looks like the perfect master plan to become a pricing research and consultant because that's my whole destiny uh, meant to be no it's not this uh, it's not like this there's no master plan but if you go step by step uh, in hindsight i understood okay why i didn't get this position so trust that it all works out and uh, you only get this evidence that it had worked out in hindsight don't regret too early
1: thank you and on this note i'd like to Thank you for this interview. It was a pleasure to listen to you, to your advice and to your story.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I truly enjoyed this interview and I hope I could spark some, some, some inspirations out there.
1: Thank you.